Designated Survivor is a show about love, loss, and continuity of government in the event of an unspeakable catastrophe. We follow our hero, President Cuck, as he overcomes his pussy liberal handicap and learns to love his crazy new job. With a cast of characters that would put Alan Moore to shame and a plot to rival Homer, not to mention one extremely sexy FBI lady, Designated Survivor is a relic of another era, the Obama era. Written and produced in the twilight of the most progressive administration ever and on the precipice of the usurpation of American values, we're reminded of what it's like to have a real president in the White House. One with moxie, principles, and goddamn respect for the Constitution. Hello? Hi, Daddy. Who is this? Your daughter? No, that's not possible. My daughter's asleep, and I know that because I kissed her goodnight almost two hours ago. When are you and Mommy coming home? There are times when we make history. It doesn't matter. You're going to be asleep by then, right? And there are times when history makes us. Good night, Daddy. Good night, little P. <laughs> to ensure you that the same American dream shared by our fathers, our mother. It's weird. Yeah. Ours just went black, too. Secretary, you need to put the phone down. Mike, what the hell is going on? I said, put the phone Man. down. Is this like some kind of explosion? <laughs> <laughs> Mike, please, just tell us what you know. Capitol's been attacked. Congress. Captain. Eagle is gone. Sir, you are now the President of the United States. This is the most devastating attack on our country since 9-11. Anyone claiming responsibility? Not yet. Guy's never been elected to anything. Did you know President Richmond fired him this morning? Now he's the president. Maybe he'll realize he has no business running the country. We're in a state of war. Tom Kirkman is not going to get us through this. What the hell am I doing here? I'm not the guy for this. Is dad scared? Dad's not scared of anything. Do you really believe I should step down? I do. You may be right. But for now, I'm all you got. The world thinks it can test us right now. What do you want me to do, General? Declare war? There are different ways to show force. We are going to do this my way. If it doesn't work, we'll try yours. You're still on my side. My mom is on your side, Mr. President. Whoever did this is just getting started. Mr. President, you need to be stronger than you've ever been before. Mr. President, you're live. Five. I do solemnly swear that I will faithfully execute the office of the President of the United States. So help me God. Welcome back to Boomer Death Squad, the number one pro blowing up the Capitol podcast <laughs> in uh, parody in parody Minecraft. in Minecraft in yeah. Uh, Minecraft. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, this week, this week, folks, we got a uh, we didn't say wonderful. Who we were. Oh, we didn't say who we were. <laughs> Hi, I'm Danny. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, I'm Joe. And I'm mercilessly killing creepers to get enough gunpowder and to make enough TNT <laughs> to blow up the capital in Minecraft. This week we're doing something a little different and diving into the world of Designated Survivor, an ABC-turned-Netflix original series representative of the general malaise and brain rot surrounding politics grounded in these political pop culture shows. Uh... Coupled with the most batshit premise imaginable. <laughs> the show centers around the government of Tom Kirkman, a HUD secretary that becomes president when a shadowy cabal blows up the State of the Union. Despite the B-plot being a military coup brewing in the background, this show paints the unelected Kirkman as the sort of socially liberal, but lo let's not get too crazy, an economically Lovecraftian <laughs> politician uh, that the Democratic Party clones en masse on Camino. 
The show premiered on September 21st, 2016, and is a clear relic of the Obama-era ideal of the executive branch being in some way sacred or good. That was shattered between the show's fifth and sixth episodes when Trump won the election. Tom Cuckman, you might say. Tom Cuckman, precisely. <laughs> Designated Survivor is a pillar and an anchor of American values and something that we can all look to right now to see what a, a bold yet rational man would do in office. <laughs> see what Julian Castro in fucking whiteface would do <laughs> if the CIA tried to assassinate the rest of the government. It's fucking, uh, Kiefer Sutherland plays our hero, uh, Tom Cuckman. He got tired of, uh, having a day to kill a terrorist for nine seasons or whatever on 24, and, uh, he decided to, uh, benefit greatly from them in Designated Survivor. I'm Absolutely. I'm blessed by the fact that I've never watched 24, nor had the uh, inclination to. Neither have either, I. That's just what I'm pretty sure it's about. <laughs> Alright, so that's our assumption as to what 24 is about. Welcome to the podcast. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, you guys want to get into it? Yeah, I guess. Go for it. Alright. So, opening scene. We have, you know, it's a beautiful aerial shot of the Capitol. It gives us... Um, it gives us the rundown of what a designated survivor is with very tasteful uh, on-screen text prompts. It's only tasteful because it looks like Star Wars. <laughs> so it says, During the State of the Union, one cabinet member is taken to an undisclosed location. In the event of a catastrophic attack on our government, that cabinet member becomes our new president. They are known as the designated survivor. And then it, you know, it opens in on... a. Uh, an office, clearly, you know, like a, a safe location at the Capitol with our hero Tom Cuckman sitting at a table. Not the Capitol, because soon the Capitol will be no more. <laughs> and most of the Capitol seems to be the Capitol building. So he's watching the State of the Union, you know, he's uh, making fun of the president or something. He's, he's actually, he's watching the State of the Union, like, one of those, like, guys who loves to quote movies, watches a movie, and, like, <laughs> says things right before they happen. Yeah, yeah. It's like, it's like someone, you're watching, like, Ferris Bueller with them, and they're like, yeah, fair, whatever they fucking say in that movie. Oh, but he's, I'm a he's, pedophile. He's doing that shit, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, when we come in, the president is saying... You know, the wealthiest 1% have seen their fortunes grow. The rest of the country at the same time has seen their money go down. You know, blah, blah, blah. And we get the first words from our hero. He says, the question is, how do we pay for it? It's awesome because President <laughs> Dead Guy, like, in his platitudes, is still giving more lip service to our politics than the fucking Democratic <laughs> Party is willing to. Yeah. But also, then President Cuck stating, how are we going to pay for it, despite him never mentioning a policy. <laughs> it's pretty great. Um, so, yeah, yeah, he's... But then he's it's kicking. revealed that he's just doing uh, movie quotes again, and the president uh, says it right afterwards. So he's uh, not... Yeah, uh, yeah. He's not even questioning anything. He's being movie quote guy, and the president is uh, saying, "How are we going to pay for something that it's not a no policy is stated?" Well, yeah, yeah this, Pete Buttigieg, we live in a global world. <laughs> it almost same... seems like it's making fun of the argument, but it's just probably not. It's probably just bad writing. Well, yes. <laughs> in the same breath, he says, "The one percent have seen their fortunes grow, while the rest of us have uh, seen it dwindle," and then immediately says, "How are we going to pay for that?" Not only does that make no fucking sense... We are paying for it. How do you think their fortunes are? <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, so he's kicking back, drinking a brewski, watching the State of the Union, you know, uh, having a terrible time or whatever. And his uh, wife comes in, she's on the phone, and she says, she says something like, No, no, it's not a quid pro quo. But it's then uh, revealed that they're, she's having a conversation with their eight-year-old daughter. <laughs> <laughs> Like uh, so full lawyer speaking to her child. Yeah. yeah, so we can only presume that her daughter is going to, like, you know, be Hillary Clinton one day. Chelsea Clinton. Yeah, Chelsea, yeah, you're right. Hunter Biden. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get to that later. Yeah, my notes say, President's bitch wife whom I hate is on the phone with daughter. Uh, needs super cool president father to litigate a compromise deal with daughter. Reeks of fascist third positioning. 
uh, but, he accomplishes this task because he is strong and she is weak question mark. yeah no that's exactly what happens she hands uh, our hero the phone and he negotiates uh their daughter to go to sleep um and then they uh you know he, he has a He's an amazing father. He has such a good conversation with his daughter. She loves him so much. You know that he, he does, shebang. but he doesn't because he lies to the child and explains to the <laughs> wife you can only make promises if you break them. <laughs> More Democratic Party realism. Yes, yes. His, his wife, his wife says like something along the lines of like, "You can't say that to your daughter. It's it's lying." And then he he retorts with. Honey, we're in Washington. It's they're the only kind of promises we can make. President Cuck says, uh, "We're in Washington. That word's the only kind of word I can say. You know the <laughs> word." Uh, so yeah, they go back to the State of the Union. They're watching it. The president is again doing some stupid platitude, and then in the middle of the sentence, the channel cuts out. It's just it just goes to static. Now, President Cuck immediately springs into action. He's like, "This is strange." What is going on? So he flips the channels. He sees that, you know, it's the only channel gone. Then the CIA bursts into the room and they're like, we've lost control. We've lost contact with the Capitol, uh, Mr. Secretary. Get away from the window. Give us your Blackberry, your government issued Blackberry, <laughs> which is how you know the world is in dire straits. Uh, <laughs> Absolutely. Government issued Blackberry. Do they still make shit. Blackberries? Definitely not. Nah. So, so then he, uh, yeah, he, he walks over to the window, and we see a shot of a massive, like, mushroom cloud <laughs> over on top of the, uh, the Capitol building. <laughs> it's like fallout imagery. They make it look yeah. like, the like Washington, D.C. has been hit with a nuclear bomb. <laughs> yeah, it's really, it's quite massive. <laughs> I like how the entire time he's wearing that Cornell hoodie, it, like, looks like Cornell <laughs> did this just so they would finally have a president. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I forgot to mention that he's wearing a Cornell zip up the whole time. Exactly, it's like a fundraising thing. Oh, oh look, we have a president who wasn't elected. When I say that this guy looks like the liberal cuck, like there's no more words to describe how he looks. And so then from there, cut to the title screen. Designated survivor. So, uh the next scene opens with uh uh, 15 hours earlier, President Cuck and his wife in bed. His wife has clearly been at work on her laptop for a couple hours. Uh, President Cuck wakes up pretty much immediately, just starts sexually harassing her. Oh, yeah. On flashback, he's a cool, awesome guy, Dad. Uh, yeah. He tells his bitch wife she needs to sleep for more than seven hours. She says a working mother needs four. President Cuck proceeds to try and rape her. <laughs> it's, it's We're really not... Uh, exaggerating much here he just like starts trying to fuck her and she's like no stop it and he's like yes please just and starts she... dry humping her like a dog yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and so eventually she gives in and she allows him to uh, whatever do his dirty deed and then uh all of a sudden their daughter starts starts knocking on the door mom dad i'm hungry please mom and dad and our hero president cuck goes go away you are not loved go away I... no I'm not Tom, doing anything. I have... No, stop it. I have work to so do. So do I, and it's a two-person job. Come on, you've always said you're always on my side. Mm. Yes. That's all I want. Mom! No, 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 no. Go away! Leave us alone. You are not loved. <laughs> okay, you're gonna get what you deserve. I'm making breakfast. No, pancakes for everyone. Let me go, woman. Oh God. And so a then, cool and relatable thing to say to a child. <laughs> yes, yes. And then, uh, and then he blue balls his fucking wife. Yes, yes. His <laughs> his wife is like, no, don't go make breakfast. I want to fuck you now. And he's like, nope. You're gonna get what you deserve. And she trying to, she kind of tries to drag him back in bed. Like, no, I'm so wet. You're so hot. Please, I want to fuck. And he's like, nope. Sorry, bitch. And he goes out to make. The the most sad, pathetic-looking pancakes I've ever seen in my entire life. They're like then, they're like shreds, and they're half like burnt. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, and he, he doesn't serve them to anybody. They're, they're just, just on sitting there. Right. <laughs> well, well, actually, I guess the pancakes are there, and he fucked up, and then he's like, what kind of eggs do you want? <laughs> he yeah. tried pancakes, and it didn't work. So, uh, enter his... Uh, Teenage, long hair, uh, rebellious cool son. Cool stoner goth son. Yes, yes. Joey high school backpack. Precisely. He, <laughs> he uh, our, uh, President Cuck asks his son to watch his sister for the night because he has to go to the uh, State of the Union. At breakfast, enter cool goth stoner son. President Cuck asks him to watch his sister. Uh, he tells his dad he can't understand him and his buddy Caleb's sweet dubstep beats. I. <laughs> uh, He's very apparently of a different race from President Cuck slash Wife Cuck. <laughs> yeah, uh, his, his skin color is completely different from both of his parents. <laughs> I, I through, uh, needs through some Google reading, that's actually a later arc in the show. Good. <laughs> uh, he needs to write a program for a new dubstep track. This confuses and angers President Cuck, who has only ever heard Don <laughs> McLean. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he literally says he has to write a new program for him. Toast, toast. That's made with bread, right? Come on, you used to always laugh at my jokes. I used to be nine. Ah, the good old days. Hey, I need you to watch your sister tonight, okay? Uh, no, I can't do it. I'm busy. I know, watching your sister. Come on, it's a big night for me. I've got the State of the Union. It is for me, too. I told Caleb I'd help Mal with something. With what? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because I won't like it, or it doesn't matter because I won't understand? Both. Okay, now I really want to know. He's laying down a new dubstep track, and I need to write a program for him. The f- what the hell? This exactly. kid's like a genius. He writes dubstep. <laughs> yeah, what the fuck does that even mean? <laughs> <laughs> Reading sheet music for dubstep, but it's just like Java. Yeah. Uh, so then the mo- super mom comes in. Uh, she talks about how she's a strong, independent lawyer, and then she yells at uh, the cool son to do his homework, and he basically says, "Fuck off, bitch." And then we see a glimpse of the news media. They hate the president. No, the news media is great because it's like, President Dead Guy can promise all he wants. This Congress won't lift a finger to help him. Which implies it is good that the government has been vaporized to stop the do-nothing Dems and Moscow Mitch. It's incredible. The next scene is uh, he is walking down uh, the street to the White House with uh, presumably some analyst or someone that works for him. We won't be calling... We'll be calling her his secretary and, and uh, other... various other sexist remarks. Uh, it's only because it's confusing and she's a really shitty character. She's Amy from Veep or Dan from Veep or any Veep character. Yeah. What I got was, at work, President Cuck and his buxom secretary of helping uh, discover <laughs> the president has cut his entire platform out of the State of the Union. They do a classic Aaron Sorkin walk and talk to go investigate yeah. with the president's chief of staff. Yeah. Uh, he and is HUD secretary, so presumably his platform was to turn affordable housing into the chest of drawers Kramer <laughs> rents out in Seinfeld. <laughs> uh, yeah, and so this scene, they arrive at the White House uh, to go talk with uh, some, you know, whatever, proxy for the president to bitch president's about. President's chief of staff. Oh, it's the chief of staff, right. Okay, well, they go and bitch at him about how he, uh, there's no mention of housing reform in the uh, State of the Union address. Uh, He's, you know, he's very upset about it. He's basically crying because he's a pussy liberal. And then uh, the chief of staff says that the president basically wants to demote him. uh, Send him to Canada. (laughs) 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 On an an ambassador job. Uh, Hold on, hold on. The way they... He's too powerful. They're exiling him. Yeah, he was offered an ambassadorship to the Civil Aviation Organization, some cuck yeah. airplane adjacent UN brand. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and he's very upset about it. Whatever. Who cares? That's, Look, yeah, bottom line, that, he's a cuck. That's presumably not even like it's not commercial airlines or anything. It's like for hobbyists, they regulate like airplane hobbyists. <laughs> yeah. So he's making yeah. sure like Jeff Dunham isn't going through restricted airspace or something. <laughs> He's giving the Lolita Express a green light explicitly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> he begs for his job, kind of. He's told the ambassadorship will allow him to keep his health insurance or something. <laughs> <laughs> and he, he, he says, uh, this is not how I saw today going. Yeah. yeah. Like, oh, darn. 
He also mentions how much good work he did as the uh, Housing and Urban Development Secretary, but they really never mention what he did. Presumably, he just uh, means tested it, so less A thousand houses could... in a thousand days. So, our final scene of the uh, flashback is he is in his kitchen with his wife drinking. They're arguing about him being a bitch and uh, just accepting defeat. Uh, at the hands of the president, making him an ambassador. He has a decanter, because bottles aren't good <laughs> enough for him. <laughs> Absolutely. His bitch wife is lambasting him for getting cucked by president soon-to-be-dead. <laughs> uh, she says they never respected him. Yeah, as they, she, she never respected him. Uh, <laughs> she's like, says, the problem is the White House never respected you enough. He says he didn't play President Dead Guy's game all the time. Once again, <laughs> a reference to some obscure politics that is never explained. Yeah. It, his wife says that politics is a great insight. He says he is a principled liberal because he stands <laughs> up to the deficit or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Don't they realize what a huge asset you are for them? Langdon actually tried to pass an office of promotion. Oh, you can't take this lying down. How else do you want me to take it? Fight. Look, he appointed you, but he can't fire you. You need to hold your ground. What do you want me to do? Go to war with the President of the United States? The White House never respected you. That's the real problem. No, Alex, the real problem is that I didn't play Richmond's game all the time. Oh, Tom, come on. It's called politics. And maybe if you did... What? I wouldn't be out of a job? Maybe, but then I'd be just like one of those guys. And when I got into this, we had a deal. I wasn't going to be one of those guys. <laughs> uh, she talks about how they've just uh, managed to settle into D.C. three years into this administration. Yeah, she talks about how inconvenient it was that he got fired. Yeah, uh, <laughs> and how it's his fault. Yeah, she uh, likes her... to be president, says, you're right, then, step yeah. then says he has to do it anyway. Completely caves, uh, says he'll fucking commute to Canada from, I guess, D.C. Yeah. <laughs> His yeah. wife does not understand that she believes she can control the president's cabinet based off her day-to-day. -day. Yeah. <laughs> her wife loves her job at McKinsey, the daughter's into the school. Uh, she says even their bitch-ass son is making friends. <laughs> Absolutely. Even our stupid fucking dubstep son has friends. All he does is listen to podcasts all day. <laughs> Absolutely. He makes podcasts about shitty Netflix TV shows. What the hell is that? Yeah. So she uh, storms off mad that he's taking the job instead of uh, getting fired. Getting and... fired and disappeared to a CIA black site. Yeah, yeah. Uh, then and... they call him telling him he'll be designated survivor. He yeah. says, what's that? Because he's a lovable doofus and not 11th in line to the presidency. <laughs> yeah, he just has no idea what it is. He's, he's been in politics for presumably years. He has no idea what a designated survivor is. Alex. Great. Yeah. What's a designated survivor? So... Flash forward, uh, we're back to seconds after the explosion. Um, the Secret Service ushers him and his wife out of whatever uh, location they are, whatever fucking boardroom. A calm evening with a brew, a Cornell hoodie, and your babe <laughs> turns into a, a hectic evening where you become president. Yeah. Um, so they're in like a huge convoy of cars uh, going to the White House or something. But is it that huge, man? It's like five Escalades and four motorcycles. The righteous gemstones travel with a larger caravan than the president <laughs> post federal annihilation. Are you trying to make the Are you trying to make the argument for uh, uh, privatizing the Secret Service? I'm making the argument <laughs> against uh, ABC original convoys. <laughs> okay, okay, respect. Technically, he's not the president yet, so he doesn't get a full convoy. Right, oh, yeah. you're right, you're right. This is, we normally send the HUD secretary around with five Escalades and four motorcycles. <laughs> yeah, so he is sitting in the back of the car like a true cuck child, uh, and the Secret Service agent, in who, uh, I called him a CIA agent, but I'm pretty sure he's Secret Service, uh, is sitting in the front seat. He gets a message from whatever, uh, and President Cuck is like, please, just tell us what's what's going on. And the Secret Service is like, 
the capital's been attacked. <laughs> uh, then he says that uh, Eagle is down and the president's dead. Uh, and he turns, he makes a dramatic turn. He looks at our, our hero, Tom Cockman, and says, Sir, you are now the president of the United States of America. Wait, please, just tell us what you know. The capital's been attacked. There's still no word on the president or his detail. This is Ritter. God, don't tell me that. What is it? It's confirmed. Eagle is gone. Congress, the cabinet. None of them made it. Yes, sir. I'll let them know. Mr. Secretary, we're enacting continuity of government. The DC appellate judge will meet us at the White House. Sir, you are now the president of the United States. His lip uh, quivers a little bit. Yeah, he completely soy faces at the thought. Absolutely, it's incredible. And they uh, head off to the White House to swear him in or, or whatever. To, no, just to swear at him. <laughs> they head down to the White House to blood him in. So, uh, next scene, we get, uh, we see a, a bar packed with people all surrounding a television screen talking about the explosion and pan out to this just absolutely gorgeous woman. She's so goddamn sexy. Um, she calls who, someone named Scott, who can only presume is her husband and who is, could have been killed in the explosion. Uh, she says something about needing to know he's okay, blah, 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 yada, yada, yada. She gets a phone call back immediately, picks it up, and she's like, hello, my husband? And turns out it's her work, and there, her work says, get to work. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Do your fucking <laughs> job. Uh, I like how the news station that she's watching is CNBS. <laughs> Are you serious? <laughs> oh, yeah, it's the perfect... <laughs> Amagulation of the lying mainstream media. Yeah. It cuts to the hot Asian woman who sees this. Uh, she sees smoke and puts on an FBI windbreaker. As she's yeah. both a woman and in the FBI, she is now, in my mind, the most likely answer for who blew up the government. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's revealed that she is an FBI agent and she rushes off to whatever. And in collaboration go, with the Kirkman daughter. To go she assassinate has fucking Jeffrey Epstein. <laughs> so, cut from a uh, sexy FBI lady rushing to save the day or whatever, and we see uh, Tom Cuckman arriving at the White House. Everyone's still, upset. Yeah, everyone's fucking crying watching the news. Um, he is still in shitty bootcut blue jeans and a zip-up Cornell hoodie. <laughs> uh, he is ushered to, I don't know, wherever. There's some picture of Andrew Jackson on the wall. And he gets sworn in as president. Uh, while being sworn in, he says, so help me God, despite not being prompted. Proving he is not a demon crap, but is a patriot. <laughs> he follows the cue drops. Uh, yeah, so... Immediately after being sworn in, he's spirited away by the Secret Service to this gigantic underground, like, techno vault. It's like a situation room. Yeah, but it's not. It's it's like a gigantic vault underneath the White House that they call the uh, Presidential... <laughs> what do they call Operation it? Center, POC. <laughs> yeah, the, the POC. It looks like fucking NORAD in war games. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a combination between the Magneto prison and, <laughs> like, the strange Lovian command table. <laughs> yeah, from, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, and so he gets there, and there's just, you know, every surviving general around the table, all on the phone with, who, who the fuck knows who they're on the phone with, just screaming. One of them yeah. particularly stumpy, particularly angry, needs to get the yeah. CIA director on Skype really quick. <laughs> uh, so he, uh, uh, President Cock walks up to the table and he's like, Hey, uh, hey guys. And uh, nobody fucking pays attention to him. And so the strong Guido uh, chief of staff to his left bangs on the table and screams at everyone to shut the fuck up. And they turn to the president who says, let's take a moment of silence for our fallen heroes. <laughs> Proving he's a different kind of politician. Yeah. I like how you call him Strong Guido. I just have him as manservant. <laughs> uh, I think out uh, of all the characters in this show, like besides like the general, I hate that guy the most. Yeah, he yeah he's pretty awful. Uh, there's one woman at the table. Her name is Karen, and she is told to <laughs> shut up in the next like, 30 seconds. Yeah. <laughs> 
yeah, so basically, the lead general that Matt described um, is basically like, you know, we're on a war footing, footing announce, tell all uh, of our embassies that we're going to go to war, uh, don't test us, <laughs> blah, 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 blah. I want the Air Force flying in 15 minutes. <laughs> I <laughs> don't know where the fuck he plans on flying the air force. Like, literally fucking Jack D. Ripper from fucking <laughs> yeah, yeah, Strangelove. Yeah. It's the his, entire thing. His name's General Cochran. He's like, if the glove doesn't fit, you must bomb half the Middle East. General Cockburn? <laughs> Cochran. Cockring. Oh, I thought he had the same name as the fucking director from Tropic Thunder. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yeah, the... The general's basically like, yeah, he also says we're going to DEFCON 2, and President Cuck sort of just stands there soy-facing, doesn't know what to do. Yeah, uh, he wants the Air Force flying, but he has no place to fly them to. Yeah. He's, he's going to go preemptively bomb Tehran. In circles, <laughs> I don't care. Just get him up there. So, uh, after his epic soy-face in the uh, general's room... He immediately runs to the bathroom to vomit, because... As know. I imagine every president does on their first day. <laughs> oh, yeah. absolutely. At least the liberals. Yeah, President Obama was bulimic. <laughs> so, he's vomiting in the, uh... He's vomiting in the, the stall, like a freshman in a new dorm or whatever. And, uh, you hear Kumar from the other stall... Oh, right, Kumar. We forgot to introduce Kumar's on this show. I don't really remember his real name, but we will be referring to him as Kumar. Of Harold and Kumar. Yes, he is a speechwriter or something. Speechwriter Seth Wright, White House. Three yes, yes. lines <laughs> in the speech. Tequila. <laughs> yeah, so he, uh, he's like, yeah, man, it's, it's gonna be alright. Here's him throwing up. He's like, it's gonna be okay. Actually, no, it's not. Uh, do you even know who's in charge right now? He won't let the CIA take over or the generals. We're fucked. Just let it all out, man. We're all feeling the same way tonight. I'm sorry, I thought I was alone. Yeah, well, nothing is what it seems anymore. You know, an hour ago, I was thrown back tequila celebrating the three lines I got into a 10,000-word speech. Swear to God, I don't know how the hell we're gonna get through this. Same way we always do. <laughs> yeah, right. Do you even know who's in charge right now? I'm asking because I, I can't even remember his name. Kirkman, Tom Kirkman. Oh, yeah, yeah, Kirkland, that's right. The lowest rung on the ladder. Hey, did you know President Richmond fired him this morning? Now he's the president. He's the one the country's gonna be turning to in our darkest hour. Well, maybe he'll surprise you. Yeah, you mean maybe he'll realize he has no business running the country? That he should just step aside? Maybe let one of the generals take over or the CIA director, somebody who actually knows what the hell they're doing? Fat chance of that happening. Nobody around here ever gives up power. Kirkland's a follower. We need a leader. I'm telling you, man, I got half a mind to make a run to Canada. You know what I'm saying? Canada. He's like, I can't even remember his name. That and, was an old Tommy boy plays at Koi. He's like, uh, Kirkman, Tom Kirkman. He's like, oh yeah, <laughs> that fucker. Uh, and then they uh, meet, they lock eyes outside of the stalls, and uh, Seth is immediately cucked, and he's like, oh, oh Mr. President, I'm sorry. Oh, oh. He like, I, I don't think he like talks like how he talks in this show and like anything else. Like he, he talks like a cucked White House employee in this show. Which I guess he became in real life, but that's uh, oh yeah yeah he worked for Obama I so, forgot so about he, that so he he got the stupid White House talk down. Uh, anyway, uh, he's like yeah you should just let a CIA director take over someone who knows what he's doing. <laughs> yeah, that, Tom, that was my favorite part of this. Uh, <laughs> Kumar says that he should quit for one of the generals or the CIA director. Like we're gonna have Mad Dog Mattis or George H W Bush <laughs> seize power. <laughs> like it's awesome. The show was written by Oliver North. Uh, Tom weirdly throughout this show like like teeters back and forth between having like the exact thing to say in this show universe and having nothing to say. But in this moment, he proceeds to just chat all over Kamar and is like, "Yeah, so yeah. you know what? I'm president, and uh, you're the speechwriter. So go write me a speech. What the fuck am I gonna say to these people? Let me know." Yeah, he, 
He's like, I'm your boss. You have an hour to write me a speech. Goodbye. Yeah, it's <laughs> awesome. Kumar's like, I'm going to move to Canada. And then President Cuck names him head speechwriter, has him write the <laughs> entire next speech because he supported his ill-defined plan to turn all public housing into the Snowpiercer train. <laughs> <laughs> it cuts to the Capitol ruins, where tons of pigs and FBI losers are walking drug downs around, presumably to plant weed on the black FBI director. Hot Asian FBI lady calls for various Call of Duty killstreak rewards to better find the dead pedophiles hidden under the Capitol. Uh, he scolds her for not being at HQ and instead of going to the crater where they used to gut welfare. Uh, she explains she was nearby, which is an adequate response. Uh, she says she worked the bomb sites in Paris and Brussels. Yeah. I love the idea of comparing the U.S. government's vaporization to 32 <laughs> Danish fancy lads being <laughs> shot at the airport on their way to do sex tourism. <laughs> uh, yeah, it, it, I, think it, I think they make it pretty clear that she's supposed to be, like, the moral and, like, intellectual compass of the show. Absolutely. She's, she's like clearly smarter than every single other person she's in contact with because she is a girl boss yes she's a tactical genius and as a girl boss uh she orders her fbi minions to tear apart any car suspected stolen or owned by someone on a watch list the primary <laughs> message being that racial stereotyping is okay if a woman of color is doing it <laughs> Next scene is uh, Kumar and two other White House staffers in, uh, whatever, working on a speech or something, and the two other staffers are talking about how much a bitch-ass liberal pussy uh, our President Cuck is, uh, and how he was never elected to anything. Now he, he was essentially appointed president. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's uh, like Larry Summers becoming president. There also is zero mention of any sort of elections. No, no one wants an election, clearly. That, would, that wouldn't be the right thing to do in a democracy. <laughs> yeah. So, and, then, and then Kumar, of all people, turns around and he defends the shit out of President Cuck, uh, says something I don't really recall, but whatever. It's probably a careerist thing, like he got promoted to head speechwriter now. Yeah, 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 exactly. So he's like, no, this guy rocks. <laughs> Maybe I'll be president the next time this happens. Literally. He's <laughs> so now we see uh, President Cuck. He went out on the White House patio or whatever to cry. And uh, his wife comes out and talks to him or something like this. They have a boring conversation. And then uh, Secret Service comes up and says, we can't find your son. <laughs> yeah, this part's great. He's standing. It's so dimly lit, which is a metaphor for crumbling American infrastructure, I presume. <laughs> uh, his wife comes, says his daughter is confused, and he says he feels inadequate, presumably because his penis does not work. Uh, his wife suggests they quit because being the president is too dangerous, and they can just go, I don't know, harvest adrenochrome on Little St. James. Uh, the FBI can't find cool epic stoner son at friend's house he said he'd be at. It's cool that the FBI was depicted incompetent enough to not be able to figure this out without addressing it to the only surviving member of Bohemian Grove. <laughs> I think it's the Secret Service. I think he's frustrated. He's standing outside because he's like, I should have fucked this morning because he has too much respect. <laughs> he has too much respect for the White House and the institution of the presidency to have sex in the White House. He's like, it's going to be a long four years. You're right. You're right. As soon as he entered the White House, he went full flaccid, which he will remain for his tenure, as all presidents do. You're totally right, though, Danny. I keep mixing up, like, FBI, CIA, whatever. I should just start calling all of them KGB. <laughs> Cut to uh, him and his wife uh, worried or something. I don't care. But uh, then he gets ushered in to a room where a general who resembles Pete Holmes pre uh, presents him with the nuclear football. He makes an epic sci-fi joke. Um, nobody gets it. And then the head honcho general is like, uh, Mr. President, we are uh, staging for war with Iran. And, and he's like, why? Why are we doing that? General Ripper informs him that a U.S. naval carrier is charging the Strait of Hormuz and then gaslights him and acts like he's insane when he asks why we are charging Iran. Uh, General asks when he's ready to stop being a cuck and President says, you'll be the first to know. Yeah, yeah. He, the President's like... Uh, the president's like, I'm just not sure if I'm comfortable with showing this kind of force. And the general says, oh, With all due respect, sir, would you mind telling us when you do plan on being comfortable? You'll be the first to know, General. Excuse me. So Le Leo's rolling out of his mind at a rave. 
he he's making out with someone while slipping some drugs in their pocket. So he uh, he's, he makes people uh, do sexual favors for him for drugs. And there's a banger uh, patriotic EDM song on. Was it was it patriotic? Yes, they're talking about freedom and God. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he comes up to try and uh, unload their last few bags. His buddy says, "Nah, save them. We're bouncing." And then. Uh, then the Secret Service rolls in. Yeah, the Secret Service rolls in to kidnap him and uh, take him to the White House. He thinks he's getting arrested for selling drugs, and he turns around, and it's his dad, Secret Service agent, and he's like, Mike? <laughs> <laughs> it's so Venture Bros, isn't it? It's the first episode of, uh, is it season, season two? two? Yeah. <laughs> this is Sky. We're gonna get married. In fact, <laughs> oh no, we're gonna have a, <laughs> we're gonna have a child. Child. Oh uh, yeah, we should end with, um... We should end with the that EDM song. I agree. Uh, right. What else? He's wearing the Target Pink Floyd shirt to play <laughs> street cred. Uh, he's then abducted by the, the token black friend Secret Service agent who takes him to the White House, his new home. He's presumably high as hell and not aware his father is president. He's literally pro- he's supposed to be rolling on Molly right now. Exactly. So now uh, we see the Secret Service uh, escorting Leo to the White House. Leo asks, how did you find me? They do a nice little uh, quippy rapport where the Secret Service says that they uh, stalked him with the NSA and were able to pinpoint him or whatever. And the yeah. kid believes it because he's a stupid, gullible moron. And the Secret Service guy is like, no, you fucking idiot. We just looked where you were on your phone. Uh, yeah, dude, no, but we told your fucking president father first for some reason. Yeah. Uh, Le uh, Leo, the son, says, I thought you were taking me home. And the Secret Service agent looks ahead stoically, very dramatically says, we are. <laughs> <laughs> we go, we see the uh, fake news media talking about the uh, explosion in front of the Capitol. Uh, one of them says that it's the worst attack on America since 9-11. Uh... Saying, I, I, I mean, how is that not saying that this is not worse than 9-11? Oh, absolutely. They're saying the government's vaporization is less noteworthy than a building George Bush blew up. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Joey, that was a World Financial Center. World Financial Center? That was our financial center. <laughs> Precisely. What do you think they value more? The replaceable lives of the U.S. government or our financial center? Yeah, or financial center triple parentheses. Anyway. That's my favorite rumor that only Jewish people died in 9-11. What? What? Or no, that no Jewish people died in 9-11. Oh. Equally what? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Now now we see Kumar, uh, the President Cock and his wife, writing, trying to write a speech or, or something. Uh, well, it starts with President Cock on the phone thanking a prime minister for their thoughts and prayers. Oh, right, yeah. Then he is complaining to Kumar that he stands for nothing. <laughs> and Kumar is just telling him, you know, you're too cucked, they're not going to trust you, they're not going to like you. He's like, babe, any support here? And she's like, hey, maybe when he says some shit he's wrong about. Exactly. And, uh... Kumar then cites know, a line... No resolution. Kumar then cites a line from a speech he gave... To the Atlanta Conference for New Urbanism, <laughs> a conference presumably hosted by Bill Cosby. Uh, he did not remember this line. Yeah, because he didn't write it. He doesn't write no. his. Why would he write his own speech? That's that's exactly that's really stupid. It, it, they bring it up like he's like, you know, he he he's got these great speeches. He's such a great uh, speaker, and that it's like he doesn't remember it at all because he didn't fucking write it. Yeah, some other cockroach like Kumar wrote it. Yes, and then so the Secret Service comes in, whispers something in his ear, and spirits him away. I wrote, uh, Kumar tells President Cuck he must be strong. President Cuck immediately gets rushed out of the room when a turtle-looking man chews on his ear. <laughs> uh, yeah, then, uh, Kumar calls, uh, his wife the First Lady, and she seems very surprised by the, uh, prospect. President Cuck's bitch wife thanks Kumar, and Kumar informs her that she cannot thank him anymore because she is now First Lady, or, or something like that. Back to the POC uh, general room, um, the generals are telling him that Iran is blocking off the Strait of Hormuz or something, about to uh, take away oil from the West. <laughs> The fucking shitty-ass chief of staff is like, that's where 30% of the world's oil comes through, and Tom's like, I know. You don't have to chief of staff-splain to me. <laughs> <laughs> 
The general is uh, basically just trying to convince him to bomb, 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 bomb Iran. Bomb, 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 bomb Iran. Bomb, 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 and, Iran. And our hero soy faces, and we get a black screen, where typically there would be a commercial, but we are watching without commercials. <laughs> Colgate Total, buy it. <laughs> there you go. Uh, they're moving to block off the Strait of Hormuz, which uh, borders Iran and is in its territorial water, but we own. Yeah, right. We must stay strong and defend. No one can play boat games but us. Hey, precisely. Only our boat games, only our shitty pedophile kingdoms can ship us oil. <laughs> so now we see some really shitty, boring arc uh, with um, the, the his secretary of... Uh, woman with an X, and then uh, the the Guido guy are talking. They have whatever. They probably have a history. Who cares? Extremely boring. Extremely shitty. We're moving on. So the two shitty careers characters are having a shitty career fight, and it's and very yeah, boring. yeah. All about the career ladder and who gets to be in the room. It's like so on its face, vindictive and insane, and absolutely something that happens in our government every day. He's gaslighting her. He's like, that's not what this is about. I also. <laughs> I also want to point out that uh, President Ripper, or President Ripper, General Ripper, screaming that they're coming for the West's oil supply and says once we're on our knees, they're coming for our throats. Absolutely a double innuendo for getting head. Awesome. <laughs> Sweet. Cool. I liked it. So back to the POC general room. Uh, general Ripper is trying as hard as he can to get uh, President Cuck to invade Iran. Um, President Cuck is saying, I don't believe it for some reason. He really has no reason to not believe it, other than he, I don't know, he read about it on Wikipedia or something. Uh, President Cuck asks him if he wants him to declare war, jokes about using the uh, nuclear football. Yeah. Because he's a coffee-flavored coffee irony, bro, <laughs> and nuclear holocaust is awesome. Yeah. Um, this is probably how it goes when the generals right now are trying to get Trump to declare <laughs> war on Iran, but he's just like, he's not, uh, like, you know, I don't think we should go to war. He's just like, Trump, what is that thing on, he's like, what does that thing on your uniform mean? Exactly. He's like asking him questions, calling him a pussy. It's great. Exactly. Trump just like agrees with them, but then just talks about Graydon Carter and never pursues <laughs> it. Yeah. just doesn't give the approval. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so... President Cuck is like, when's the Iranian ambassador showing up? They say 15 minutes, and he says, you can mobilize the Air Force, but let me talk to the ambassador first. If I can't convince the ambassador of whatever my plan, then you can invade Iran. <laughs> Which, as we know, would be so very easy. Oh, absolutely, be easy. One With and done. Great We'd be ease the U.S. could invade Iran. Oh, of course, there'd be no Tehran in a week. It's not a country made of mountains and the opposite <laughs> side of the earth. Wouldn't be a catastrophic failure. Oh, it wouldn't be literally the collapse of the American Empire. Now we see uh, his son and daughter. Well, his son is consoling his daughter because she's scared, and his son is high as shit and doesn't care about anything right now. Uh, though yeah. he is, he is a, he is a sp fantastic son doing a great job. Epic stoner brothers explaining to unloved daughter that their dad is going to protect them and the country from parentheses Brown bad men. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he says dad is not scared of anything as he looks on wistfully. Uh, the father is less than two minutes from the doomsday clock hitting midnight. <laughs> Back to the exploded uh, Capitol building and the sexy FBI lady continuously calling her obviously dead husband. Um, some, some like, uh, low, lowly FBI grunt runs up to sexy FBI lady and sees that she's distraught and says, Agent Wells, I was looking for you. Are you okay? Yeah. Did you lose someone? I think we all lost someone. 
What do you got? Absolutely. Soy faces all around. Yeah. Uh, despite the fact that if this actually happened, at least 80% of America would be happy it did. <laughs> I'd be among that 80%. Uh, the hot FBI Asian lady wants to call the NSA to tap mosque phone lines or something. <laughs> yeah. Then they find an unexploded bomb. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they find an unexploded bomb. Everybody clears away. Then they find out that it... It didn't explode because it's a dud. Woohoo, awesome. Yeah, the bomb squad descends it's, to dismantle the bomb, which is the size of a single landmine. <laughs> yeah. It's it's great because, like, the whole entire government exploding is supposed to be, like, a really, really emotional part of this show. But you have no time to form any connection to any of the characters that blew up. And what the government, like, kind of shows itself as, it's like a like a decent parody of government. Exactly, so it's like Veep government. You don't government. miss anyone, you feel nothing about it. They, they're, they're relying on you to have some, like, connection to, like, the flag, the capital, and you're supposed to feel something due to that. Like, oh no, that would be so sad if this happened. And that's why this show didn't work. The only screen time that the original, that the uh, dead government got is the couple seconds in the State of the Union of the president just saying, bullshit platitudes exactly and everyone fucking hates that that's why this was on abc got canceled then picked back up on netflix uh it cuts to president cook meeting the iranian ambassador a guy who doesn't exist <laughs> uh, the ambassador extends his sympathies and offers to help in any way he can presumably just like the prime minister he had a phone call with earlier yeah. president cuck responds saying move your boats or i will invade your country yeah immediately right off the bat he's like i will not even just invade i will bomb your capital oh yeah yeah i'll get there uh, the ambassador seems startled, explaining Cuck is misinformed. The president scoffs and references the early 2000s war games, despite the fact that we resoundingly lost them. Yes! To change the rules so it'd appear we win. That is the most insane reference this show makes. Exactly. We gamed this out, and if we change the rules so you can't, like, you know, <laughs> communicate without phones, we'll totally win, bro. You have no surface-to-air missiles at all. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He promises to invade if the Iranian destroyers do not return to Shiraz, a cool, tough guy thing to do. Uh, the ambassador tries to speak again, but is cut off by President Cuck declaring... He is the straightest guy in Washington. <laughs> <laughs> and he doesn't want to attack Iran, but he totally will, bro. Don't even play, bro. You can begin by removing your destroyers from the Strait of Hormuz. Mr. President, excuse me, but I believe you have been misinformed. Is that a fact? Yes, we, we have moved no such destroyers into the Strait of Hormuz. My defense department has wargamed this out. They're waiting for me to give them the green light, which I assure you I will do, unless you pull your destroyers back to Bandar Abbas within the next three hours. Mr. President, I Mr. Ambassador, you may not know much about me, but what you should know is that I'm about as straight a shooter as you're going to find in Washington. <laughs> uh, he says it's not up to us how history plays out like an Assassin's Creed villain. Uh, the moral stakes of this scene appear to be uh, sand people get startled easily. <laughs> In the real world, this scene would have to play out with, like, John Kerry would have to talk to, like, the ambassador of Switzerland, who would then talk to the ambassador between Iran and Switzerland, <laughs> and they'd have to figure it out. I love the idea of putting, like, Khomeini and Trump on a line together, though. Oh, that would be great. Khomeini and Trump, like, communicating directly, like, just this... <laughs> <laughs> I want, I want to, after, after Trump's done, I want a buddy cop comedy starring the Ayatollah and Trump. I want to make him ambassador to Iran. <laughs> Just send him over there. <laughs> the dang joker. Why not? He'd like it. Uh, but Cuck declares, move the destroyers and the news story tomorrow will not be about the attack on Washington, but the attack he would launch on Tehran using <laughs> F-35s that cannot fly in the rain or the dark <laughs> to fly across the entire country and reach Tehran. Somehow more uh, pilots, U.S. pilots, die in the attack than uh, Iranian citizens. Absolutely. <laughs> we end up bombing Azerbaijan. Now, I have chosen to believe that your country is not playing on our emotions tonight. But nevertheless, you will feel the full impact of them if you do not comply with my demands. Mr. Ambassador, dock your destroyers. Or the lead story on the morning news will not be about the attack on our capital but the devastating attack on yours. Please, Mr. Ambassador, let's not get off on the wrong foot here tonight. So we're back at the FBI tent at the blown up Capitol building. Uh, two FBI guys walk in. 
while the sexy FBI lady is doing some epic typing on a computer. Um, they mentioned that the mine they found is uh, a old Soviet mine used in Afghanistan. Probably some, uh, you know, probably some Islamists or something. Oh, absolutely! It's to like ambiently remind us of Soviet imperialism and to accuse theoretical communist Muslims of yes. blowing up the capital using yes, a device designed to incapacitate a medium-sized truck. Yes, but not, but not to uh, remind you of who we funded to fight <laughs> Soviet imperialism. No, so, no. She They're good. She immediately gets up and starts doing her thing where she's like, you know, a genius. She understands everything and nobody else uh, understands anything. Uh, and she immediately starts talking about how the FBI has secret sleeper agents in mosques. And it's very strange that no mosques are very happy about this. <laughs> she, she's like, she's like if, if this was over, the Muslims would be celebrating all across the world. But they're not, which means it's not over. And then, you know, dramatic music. Her blah, FBI blah, blah, minion blah. quickly does soy face. Yes, yes. I love the idea of American, like, jarhead troops in olive oil face, like, trying to be in a <laughs> mosque and be normal. <laughs> Just, like, with the same haircut still. They're probably still wearing fatigues. Because she doesn't specify idiots. what mosques, either. Uh, yeah, we could just uh, presume that it's every single mosque. All of them. We always thought, we always thought this scene was, uh was him having to wear one of the dead president suits, but they're like, he's like, I had to borrow it, and it pans over to some other White House staffer wearing his clothes. Yeah, wearing the Cornell hoodie. He pans over to a boy whom he banged. Oh, yeah, we forgot to mention that he finally changes out of the Cornell hoodie to put on a sexy, slim-fit suit for the Iranian ambassador. So, uh, Tommy's getting ready to address the nation. We find out that his suit he wore to talk to the Iranian ambassador is from, uh, one of the local White House boys who now has to wear, uh, Tom's Cornell hoodie. Uh, he gets ready, and then we go outside where, uh, the greasy chief of staff is talking to the greasier general about doing a military coup. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the general says, we have a housing and urban development secretary leading the free world, and then immediately goes on to say how the military should stage a coup to lead the, quote, free world. And and our greasy chief of staff, who's probably just so eager to do it, is like, you do realize. We might get we're troubled, and then puts his fingers <laughs> together. <laughs> <laughs> and the general's like, nah, he's an unelected president, we can just do it. General Ripper says if the country's going to survive, he needs to act swiftly and definitively, implying he's throwing the coup from Starship Troopers. <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> that's true. Something needs to be done, Aaron. I think we're doing everything that's expected of us, Harris. That's not what I'm talking about. What exactly are you talking about here? Because if it's what I think it is, this conversation is going to be trading dangerously close to conspiracy to commit treason. We have a housing and urban development secretary running the free world. You call it treason, I call it my civic responsibility. So you're talking about removing a sitting president? An unelected president, yes. Listen to me. If the country's going to survive, we need to act swiftly and definitively. Tom Kirkman will not get us through this. Well, let me guess, you can. We're in a state of war. Who would you rather have leading us? When the Patriots rose up. Uh, the veterans. When the veterans rose <laughs> up and ended the social experiment of democracy. That's literally <laughs> what this is. <laughs> he says, President Cuck won't get us through this. And then the manservant scoffs and says, you can. And General Jack D. Ripper says, it's war. Who do you want leading us? Like Batman. <laughs> so last scene here, he's sitting down in front of a uh, TV crew in the Oval Office. Um, he's about to give a speech. Kumar tells him he looks gay in his glasses. Uh, he takes off the glasses and he begins his speech. Our last words of the episode is, my fellow Americans. I Hey, hey, we you forgot something. He also gaily twirled his pinky ring, implying he is a cuck. Uh, <laughs> uh, that implies he's a, a mafioso. <laughs> ah, ah. Uh, we need a chill president who doesn't begin speeches with my fellow Americans, but just fellas. <laughs> <laughs> Only fellas. This one's for the fellas. Guys. Without the glasses, he's really rocking that off-brand uh, Kevin Spacey cliche all the way yeah, to the bank. Really. Was Kevin Spacey the president in that show? In what? The other one? House of Cards? Yeah, I thought that's what it was about. 
I, I, I don't know. I try and stay really far away from all that shit. Uh... Thanks for sticking with us and watching Designated Survivor. The show is a symptom of the liberal brain rot that began in West Wing and continued through House of Cards until Kevin Spacey was executed by Patriots. <laughs> its primary conceit is that all partisan politics are evil and only the bipartisan consensus like tax cuts and forever war will solve America's troubles. Yeah. It parrots the usual rhetoric of staffing your administration with Republicans and talking about the deficit and snappy one-liner conversation... Uh, which is the only democratic route to power, but overlays it with the entire U.S. government having been incinerated by, well, you know who. Uh, despite the show containing the same kind of ladder-climbing careerism, facts-defeating feelings, and coffee-flavored coffee, we've come to know and expect from our government. Uh, yeah, I mean, the show is, um... Bad. It's not mince words here. Yeah, it's fucking terrible. It's really shitty. Uh, it's written like dog shit, and it really, it really feels like it's of another era. Oh, absolutely. I just have, I just have in my notes in all caps, who is this show made for? <laughs> yeah, this show was exactly. created in a world where they were like, what if Julian Castro was HUD secretary, or what, what if Julian Castro was president, but in whiteface? And then it came out in a world where Ben Carson was president, and he was declaring Obamacare is worse than slavery. So it just... <laughs> Between the fifth and sixth episode, the entire premise of this show was destroyed. It's amazing. It's like nothing else, like a perfect period piece of yeah. the transfer from the Obama to the Trump era. It, it probably gave them something to uh, to fantasize about. They could just write Tom as their fantasy of just the level-headed, uh, I don't know, whatever that's, these That's what it is. It's a fantasy thing. According to the designated Survivor Wiki, he's the only independent president since George Washington. <laughs> 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 Not a red uh, America awesome. or a blue America. Uh, purple people leader America. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, I guess we'll see how this turns out. Maybe we'll do the second episode. Yeah, possibly. I guess we'll see how this cuts together and if it's even remotely coherent. Yeah. But uh, hey, guys, thanks for listening to Boomer Death Squad. Check us out on Twitter at Boomer Death Pod and yeah. uh, expect more of your regularly scheduled ridiculous racist articles later. Wacky takes on the news, am I right? Oh, absolutely. And my wife, kill her with a gun. <laughs>